Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cloud Chat with Stefan and Matt. I'm one of your hosts, Stefan Stelter. I'm Matt Brown. <laughs> Matt, how are you doing? We've got a third face. I love it when we have a third face in our group. Thank Welcome, you. We Eduardo. Like to, yeah, switch it up a little I, bit. I don't know when is right time to introduce myself, but hi, yes, Eduardo. Now, this is the queue. We need a board. <laughs> we need to get a board. We, yeah, and scene. Eduardo, welcome to the uh, to the cloud chat. And what is what is it that you do for NetApp? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, I guess the I'll start with that. So I said, my name is Eduardo Rivera, and I work in NetApp IT, uh, same organization where Matt works. But uh, today, um, I'll say today because my role has changed over time. But I manage. I'm gonna call my team. What we do is uh, manage the hybrid cl cloud platforms within NetApp IT. So we have a name for this. We call it Cloud One. Uh, it's a collection of services that we build. Uh, think about infrastructure as a service or container as a service. My team builds the infrastructure that makes that happen within, within the IT organization. And every time I, I hear Cloud One for the first time on, in a conversation with people who might not know about Cloud One, I try to remind everybody, you cannot buy Cloud One. NetApp does not sell Cloud One. It is an internal right, right. capability so, so that NetApp users. It. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's so more of a... Um, Cloud One is, an in, I'll say, an internal type of uh, marketing umbrella term that we use to describe all the services. So as I say, it's more about a it's hybrid cloud platforms that we build to, to make uh, IT infrastructure easy to consume and fast to, to deploy. And one of my favorite things about it is the amount of automation that you all use to make this mm -hmm. work, right? It's not like, uh, I, I guess, how many customers internal at, at NetApp IT do you have that could use Cloud One and how do you? Uh, how many people do you have on your team to service those customers? I'm always curious about numbers. So, so that's a good question. So when when I think about the customers that we have, or think about the application developer teams, or you can think about it in terms of applications. And depending how you count, I'll say uh, the number of applications, uh, internal applications that are supported are uh, somewhere in the order of 400 applications, give or take. Not all of them are using Cloud One today, but we can talk about a little bit about how that how that uh, looks in a, in a roadmap. But let's say that we have a 400 applications and within that, uh, our infrastructure team uh, is composed of like maybe 40 something people, maybe 42 people if I'm counting correctly. But again, we do a lot of things. So when, when we talk about Cloud One, we're doing the automation, as you mentioned, to instantiate you know, virtual, simple things as virtual machines automatically but also complex things like full stacks of applications running on containers on Kubernetes, whether that is on premises or in the public cloud. And when we go to the public cloud, we also have to maintain the presence in Azure or AWS or wherever we're going. So it's a lot of things that we manage behind the scenes to provide this infrastructure for those applications. And, it's, and as applications get more modernized and they get either refactored or new things come in, they're, they're, we've been pushing them also towards the, the hybrid cloud platforms that we support. So, so leading the NetApp and NetApp program, uh, the NetApp IT automation story is one of the most popular stories because NetApp IT is mature in two places. Operations, we're really efficient at operations and automation. Um, we tell, we share our stories and many, many customers want what we have. So Eduardo leads that team. It's a, a, a great experience to be able to share with customers and really looking forward to talking with you today, Eduardo. That's good oh, stuff. You. And I, you mentioned hybrid cloud in there. Of course, for some reason, I went right to numbers and and how many people and how many applications and funds. So I appreciate that detail. Uh, but I, I think you clarified as part of that, that conversation what hybrid cloud means to NetApp IT and maybe go into a little bit more detail. It, it's I, I think some people think of hybrid cloud means 
more than one hyperscaler, right? It means Azure and AWS, but uh, I don't think that's the definition that we use internally at NetApp IT. Yeah, and I think even internal to NetApp, sometimes we argue about what is cloud, what's not cloud. So maybe we start even, even more basic, right? So when I think about cloud, maybe we can think about it in two different contexts. And uh, what is the infrastructure, right? Uh, and what does the application look like? So for an application perspective, I'll say a, a cloud native application or a cloud adjacent application looks like, you know, decentralized type of service, maybe multiple containers. It can, uh, has uh, components that are, you know, micro segmented. That to me seems like a cloud, a cloud native application. And, um, you know, cloud adjacent, maybe, it's, you know, maybe it's not using containers, we're using all the services that are, that, that are in the cloud and taking advantage of some of the, you know, the tools and, and, and technologies that AWS, Google, Azure provide. But then when you look at the, about the infrastructure, right? I, I will argue that we have an internal cloud and the you know, public available cloud. And within cloud one, we have uh, exposed both of those landscapes for applications to consume. When we talk about internally, well, we're sort of recreating what I just described. We have uh, container orchestration, we have automation, we have uh, virtual machines as a service, if you will, right? You go through a catalog, click here and just get it back. And the experience that those developers have when they consume resources internally is the same experience they'll have when they go and consume resources in the public cloud within, within our environment. So, so from a cloud point of view, I think we can talk about private cloud, public cloud, but the experience that the developer receives should be um, consistent and it should be a sort of cloud-like experience. And, and the hybrid cloud term to me describes all those things together. It's how do you deploy things on-premises, on a on public cloud like AWS, but also GCP and Azure and everything in between. It's very helpful. <laughs> I think that that cloud native, the idea of cloud native being something you can run on premises and cloud native being something more about the way that you're running it and not where you are running it. That's interesting. If I heard you correctly, it's an interesting. Yeah, no, I think that again, this is, I, I should caveat all this. This is my opinion, what we're seeing on the internal net of IT, what we have done and the way I see it. And I said, even within within our own walls, we have some disagreements. But uh, if you think about cloud native, I, I think what, what it comes to mind is you have an application that is uh, loosely coupled to its own services, that it can be resilient to infrastructure being there or not, right? Because that's kind of what the assumption you do when you go to the cloud, things can go away. And that it can scale easily, right? By deploying more uh, either containers or virtual machines or whatnot. And all those properties, right? Uh, dictate a particular application architecture as opposed to let's say what we saw or what we, we still have it right like 15 20 years ago which is a a very uh, uh, monolithic architecture we had like this one big database yeah. this one big uh, middleware server and this one application server perhaps some somewhat server on top of that uh, so, so that's more traditional and I think that's less <laughs> cloud uh, architected uh, but, but that's what I mean, right? That's, that's what I think about when I think about cloud native applications. They're more modern and therefore they can take advantage of all this new infrastructure that is cloud-like, if, you, if that makes sense. It helps a bunch. And I have a question for you, Eduardo, because I know, you know, I mean, work with you in the field, talking with customers. Um, there's a pretty uh, interesting data point here. Um, so you work in a multi-hybrid cloud. How big is your storage footprint? Oh man, this, it's, so I'm gonna I'm gonna 
use my generic quote. We have about uh, over 100 petabytes of capacity, right? Oof. But that's not just in the, in the cloud. This is all over the place. So we have a, actually also, again, say this, our, <laughs> our view of the world, our IT opinion. NetApp IT and NetApp as, as a company, it's, it's an older company, right? We've been around about 26, 27 years, something like that. So we have data centers and we have storage on those data centers. And now we're going to the cloud and we have storage over there. So when I think about not just compute, but storage, networking, it's all over the place. And that, again, that's kind of the hybrid cloud that, that we talk about. But collectively, we have over 100 petabytes of, of capacity. How does that influence your decisions when you're talking about moving workloads? And where are you in terms of looking at leveraging more data in the cloud? Well, so more than the, I mean, the storage is certainly a big part of it, but the, I think what is more important to determine what workloads can go into a cloud infrastructure or not is really the application design. But there are certainly, and, and this is why I think hybrid cloud is important, at least to us, is that there's certainly applications that even if they're well the, the, the designed as a cloud native application, they may be less, less optimized to be on the public cloud just because they have you know, tens of petabytes of data <laughs> that's sitting in the data center. And, and to move that maybe, it's not impossible, it's, and we certainly have the tools to do so, but we may be, um, there may be an advantage, sometimes a cost advantage to just hold it in our own data centers and have that cloud-like infrastructure that mimics the cloud but up and provides all those services, but it's near our, I'll say, more traditional storage deployments that we have on-premises. But, but with that said, you know, when we go to the cloud today, public cloud, I should say, uh, we are using FSX Anta, we're using CVS, CVO, and can we, we've actually gone through all the different NetApp offerings out there uh, because there's different use cases for them. So, so that is not, a, I guess I'll say, I want to say it's not an impediment in terms of technology. We can put it anywhere. And the decision of whether it goes on-premise or on the cloud uh, as it relates to storage could be, it, it can be an influencing factor. Right? It could be a, a matter of gravity, right? How much, how much of that sits on-premises and therefore we want to keep it close to that. Just a quick little um, acronym translation for folks. Uh, Eduardo mentioned FSX for NetApp ONTAP, which is a, a NetApp um, service that is delivered by Amazon as an Amazon native service uh, in AWS. And um, Cloud Volumes ONTAP or CVO is also mentioned as well as CVS, Cloud Volume Services. So, so there, there are <laughs> I, capabilities I in a variety of different clouds. No, no, it's all good. I just, that, I, I'm trying to add value. It's my function here. <laughs> Thanks, thanks no, for giving me remember, that opportunity, that Eduardo. I appreciate it. That now those things come out of like uh you know I natively out of my mouth, but it took yeah. me a while to figure out. Okay, CBS, CBO, <laughs> lots and lots of acronyms. So Eduardo, yeah. you, you've been on this uh, hybrid cloud journey for a while, um, and I, I I know I've been part of it with you, especially in the storytelling piece or the narrative sharing piece. Where do you see this is all going? Are we actually going to move all our data at some point in time to? A hyperscaler? Are we going to copy it multiple hyperscalers? Look into your crystal ball and tell me what you see coming down the pike. I, I think that the, the true hybrid cloud, at least for us, is here to stay. Meaning that I, I don't see personally 100% in the public cloud. Certainly, I don't see 100% on-premises either. Uh, and and, and the, the changes over time really come as a result of desires of either executive management or needs and capabilities or um, uh, expansion needs, right? Or, or uh, you know, growth needs. So I think the future is, is gonna be, it's gonna look like today, just more mature, right? We're gonna have more stuff in the public cloud natively, more stuff. And, and when I say public cloud, I talk about cloud one, 
we're also leveraging SaaS solutions, right? Like software as a service, right? So, so that stuff is going to continue to exist. And I think at least for larger enterprises that have big data centers already invested, like we do, will probably ex- exist in that uh, duality of the world, right? Where we have stuff on premises, stuff on the cloud, and we're going to keep choosing uh, what what is best uh, optimized based either on cost or or technology. But from an application standpoint, I think as time approaches infinity, all the applications really should be either uh, some SaaS solution or some modernized type of cloud architected solution that, that can take advantage of, again, a, a distributed and frail infrastructure, right? Because that's that's what you assume when you're going to cloud native uh, infrastructure. I like that expression, uh, distributed, frail. Uh, that, <laughs> right, so let me, let me explain, yeah. right? So, so, no, so like I'll, that. I'll, 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 I'll give you an example using some data technology. So if I go into AWS today, one of the things that we have in AWS is Spot, right? So Spot, and I'll, I'll try to briefly explain it for people that don't know what Spot is. So in AWS, you can buy what you call a Spot instance. That's, a, that's an AWS term. And a Spot instance uh, differs from what they call an on-demand instance in the sense that a Spot instance is the, uh, Amazon selling you their excess capacity in terms of compute. And it's cheap tickets that, uh, for the hyperscalers. <laughs> right, right, right. So it's exactly. So it's like that. Is it you get some cheap compute, but the the catch is that that cheap compute can be taken away at any time by Amazon. That's kind of how it works, and that's okay. People can live with that. Now, Spot by NetApp or Spot.io, which is a company we acquired, uh, is a set of tools and and uh, I guess an interface into managing that Spot market. So what so what does that mean? I mean, I can go consume Spot instances. And they will eventually go away because that's what Amazon does. But Spot by Neta will tell me with enough anticipation, oh, hey, this is going to go away. We have some backups. We can reinstantiate uh, uh, your, your, your machine in another type of virtual machine somewhere in the AWS cloud. And in doing that, of course, there's a, there's a downtime because that thing is going to go down and it's going to re, uh, put it up, up somewhere else. That's what I mean by frail, right? You should expect that those components may go away. It's not that... It's not that the cloud is uh, broken. It's just kind of, that's kind right. of how it works. So things may go away and it may may instantiate somewhere else, and the application needs to survive that type of uh, that type of movement. And, you know that's why uh, Kubernetes uh, is important when you're dealing with containers, right? Kubernetes will spin up all these containers under worker nodes. A worker node being one of those virtual machines. If the virtual machine goes yeah. away, containers fail. They're like, oh, let me spin it up a couple somewhere else, and that's what it does, right? So it keeps managing the deployment of or the continuous deployment of that application. I love it. Uh, customers love Spot and find it to be uh, a tremendous benefit to them in, in a variety of different ways. So I, I, you're describing the Echo service is one of the things that we do, um, but there are other areas of optimization that Spot provides uh, that are fantastic for, for cloud native applications. And um, Yeah, I mean, Spot's it, becoming getting, an umbrella of things. Yes, it does, it, it, one thing is managing the, the marketplace. Another one is like looking at optimization for costs and, yeah, uh, what's it, a uh, Spot Ocean, which is related to um, Kubernetes. So there's a whole bunch of things under, under the Spot brand right now. If I can throw in, very easy to adopt, very easy to use. And how much money do you save on Spot uh, I mean, on average? I mean, I guess I, I'll, I hesitate to say because it's, you know, your management vary. But what we see is somewhere between 50, 80% savings on, you know, on the compute, right? On the compute that they were consuming. As, <laughs> you as need to do a plug-in for Spot here, but I figured. Well, yeah. well, <laughs> so it is, so it's as a, opposed it... to, right? So as opposed to like, if those the uh, same virtual machines were running as on-demand instances uh, in Amazon. Yeah. So that's where we see it, right? 
it's such an interesting number. And I think people are used to hearing steady state and expect numbers like, oh, so you're using, uh, your, your spend is 80% of what it used to be. No, our savings, we're saving 80% of our costs. We're, we're only spending 20% of what we used to spend for, right. for that capability. For that people, it, service, it's yes. hard for people to hear that, especially when they're talking about something that starts to feel mature. They're like, there's no way that you can get that kind of savings. And the, no, it's super Eduardo exciting, is not man. in sales. <laughs> Eduardo <laughs> is an IT <laughs> practitioner uh, and has manages a team of people to, who do that. So this is, uh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say it's certainly super exciting, right? I had a, a previous manager who say Spot makes the cloud uh, cost possible. Because right? it, it is expensive to the, to go to the public cloud, right? Uh, again, it manager vary depends on how you architect your application. But if you take, yeah. let's take that monolith uh, example I gave earlier, you lift and shift it and put it into a running VM on the, on the cloud. No matter, I, I keep saying AWS, but it could be AWS, Azure, GCP, any one of those clouds. And you just let it run forever. It's going to be more expensive than just having a server that is fully depreciated in your data center running the same virtual machine forever. Uh, so having the spot um, product and management suit really makes that cost possible for us to deploy more stuff into the public cloud. I have one more question about applications. I'm going back into my numbers part of my brain. Uh, you know, a couple of things that you mentioned. So monolithic, we would talk about an application in the monolithic sense, and maybe it has a presentation layer, maybe it has a database in the back end, and it's got some uh, some hooks and some business logic layers in, in the application. Uh, and, and as we start thinking about cloud native and microservices, so instead of thinking about, you know, maybe it's a, a dozen servers supporting a monolithic application, uh, things as they get containerized or become microservices based or um, serverless in some of the calls that they make, I, I wonder how do you gauge the complexity of the application? You know, like how, when you when you say 400 applications. I would imagine that not all applications are equal. There might be one right. application that is only one server and the whole application stack is handled just by that one server because it supports 10 users who need to do something very specific. And then there's another monolithic application that might be a, a dozen servers or two dozen servers mm -hmm. handling various layers as, as I described. And then maybe there's a, a cloud, cloud first, cloud uh, approach application that wh what does that look like and how do you compare them in terms of level of effort when you think about 40 people and 400 applications does everybody just get 10 applications or you know how do you how do you measure and compare these traditional ideas around applications versus some of the newer approaches that's your closing question stuff i know how about it and it's <laughs> there, there's it's a lot in that parts. question there's 75 subparts they're still coming no, kidding. <laughs> i don't have to think about what what um what to answer that so Let's talk about the complexity of the app. You're right. I, I say 400 and I just came out of a meeting. Somebody was saying 700. It's really more in the 400 range, right? But it also depends how you classify what's an application. Uh, and the reality is out of the 400, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe 50 are like really, you know, large and really, you know, they're all important, but like 50 are very important and like 10 are like critically important, right? <laughs> right. So, so I'm thinking that you have, a, for instance, like super important applications will be like your, your ERP system, right? Or, or your yeah. business intelligence systems, or in our case, our, our quoting environment, right? Those are all applications that we support. And those tend to be the larger, more, I'll be honest, more, more monolithic because they tend to be older and there's things that we, yeah. that, 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 that we carry for a very long time, but they also tend to be very complex, right? Because we will have it's not just one database, maybe like 
five different databases all have their own sort of monolithic uh, construction. And then out of that, we have, <clears throat> I don't know, five, 10 copies of each one. Uh, and now you have many servers on top of that serving as either database servers or application servers or middleware. So it becomes very complicated, even if you don't go into the more modernized stacks. So to answer your question, not every application is super complicated, right? A lot of the littler ones, maybe just one, one VM, and that may be a good candidate for maybe lift and shift, right? Yeah. Uh, These ones that are much larger and much heavier footprint, I think is the ones that we probably want to spend the most time to either mm. modernize or exchange for maybe a SaaS solution, right? right. So I'll give you, I'll give you an example of a complexity to less complex, and this is a going fully SaaS. So at one point in the past, we used to manage our own exchange environment for email, right? So we have exchange and SharePoint servers and all this kind of stuff. And, and today, at least in that ID, we, we've relegated all that stuff to Microsoft 365, Office 365. So, so we greatly reduce our physical footprint and, and storage in many cases, because we just put it all in, in a SaaS solution. Now that's a SaaS solution, right? But the same can be said about uh, applications that are still within, I'll say our uh, not, not, not a third party, but we're managing in, in a public cloud or private cloud. And things that fall off in terms of complexity when you do that, if you have a truly cloud native application, well, then maybe you worry less about, I need to have another copy for DR, or I need to have another copy for, for back or whatnot, because you built already resilient applications that are sort of um, resistant to failures of the infrastructure. And you have some backups, but maybe you don't need to have like three or four different copies of that same environment, which reduces the complexity itself. And then when it comes down to you know, development, test, production, I think those environments also reduce in, in quantity because you have le less moving parts or less uh, infrastructure that you're forced to deploy to test all the different uh, iterations of how this server works versus that server versus uh, these other backend infrastructure. So I didn't answer all your like, you know, 24 sub questions, but, but the, uh, the, um, the fact did that- did a damn the, good job. Right, a little bit of that 400 is very complex and big. And I think as you go to the to the cloud, you can make it less complex, but in some cases, maybe more complex. It depends on what the 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 approach that the developer takes, right? Thank you for tolerating my multi-part question. That was, that was a great Eduardo. question. It was a great answer. I like, I like the answer very much. <laughs> Eduardo, thanks so much for joining us. I'd like to reserve the right to invite you back to uh, share more insights from things that are going on in, in your world. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us and listening to Cloud Chat with Stefan and Matt. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, subscribe, sign up for <laughs> alerts, do all the other fun things that you can do to uh, be advised when a new uh, episode comes out. We'd love your comments as well. Comments. So if, yes. yes. Give us if some you comments. <laughs> if you are wanted Warner Warner back. On YouTube, tell, tell us yes, you want him back. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's very much appreciate your time and attention today and look forward to the next one. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.